Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I don't think anybody was expecting that. Also, hello, my friends, and welcome to AEW Dynamite Blood and Guts, where I'm going to take my finger of death and give the good bits up and the bad bits are down. Also, you have never seen a wrestling show do such a 180 such as this one. Made me feel all warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. Let us up as those doubters. So yeah, AEW did start this week with Jungle Boy deciding to kill Jungle Boy. I didn't think that was going to happen. But Tarzan Boy, his old theme started to play when all of a sudden it did get cut off and we cut to the desert and there was Jungly Jim and he was burying his Jungle Boy boots as if to tell you, I'm done with this character, I'm done with this gimmick, I'm moving forward. And now, I am Jack Perry. And Lippo then pulled up, even though he was in the desert, and I was like, man, that's a really good car service, when he came to the ring to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. I had to, like, smack myself on the head at this point, because I was like, I didn't have any of this on my 2023 bingo card. So it was totally wild, but I like it because it ties into my favourite thing. When it comes to professional wrestling, all everybody has to do is go backstage and say, well, I think we should do this. And then somebody else goes, well, that's a fantastic concept. And then you make sure you just pull the green light. I don't know what that means, but I've said it now anyway. If you want to come out to Beethoven, do it. It also ties right into the reason why he has done this change, because it was him taking on Hook for the FTW title. And he has been obsessed with a single championship for ages. I mean, even his old dinosaur friend and his crazy mentor have one. Therefore, these two did get into it. And in the early going, Perry tried to run away which is when Hook grabbed him and just hurled him over Barry Barricade. Hook then stood on Baz and kind of dived onto Jack Perry. I was like, you wouldn't do that if you invited a plumber around, would you? You're like, oh, hey, Steve the plumber, and then jump off his head? He'd be really mad. Bless this Jack, though, because the way he got back into it was raking at Hook's eyes. And as I keep telling you, if you are a professional wrestler and you do have some kind of a platform, please do me a favour keep bringing back 1980s moves. I suppose it failed because soon after this, Jack Perry got exploded suplexed right into the floor, which was nuts. But then he reversed all this where he did a DDT into the same surface. So I was like, man, I don't know about you, Bill, who is my imaginary wrestling friend that sometimes I talk to, but I don't think these two like each other. Hook then powered up and no sold a German suplex, which I always enjoy, where he hit a bunch of Germans on his own, V Gates, when all of a sudden Jack Perry was like, well, look, I don't want to get beat up anymore. So he used the referee as a human shield. I mean, why not? He then went and got the FTW title instantly because he is insane now. When there was this weird referee bump, like he was in the corner and somehow Hook and Jack Perry kind of squished him and look, did that look a little bit silly? Yes. Did I care? No. Now, it actually did work for the wonderfully haired warrior because Hook hit that arm ringer suplex thingamajig and he had the pinfall. But you know the deal with professional wrestling. If there is no referee to make the count, it means nothing. Therefore, Perry got the FTW title and he smacked Hook right in the head when not only did he get the three count, but he became the FTW champion and it means that Hook has just suffered his first loss. 
down. And do not forget, this also ties directly into the other story, because how many times was Jungle Boy like, I'm going to use this title, but he didn't. And now he has changed his tune, and he has embraced the dark side, and my word, it worked. Which means the motto here is, if you want to be successful, be a dick. We can now move on to round two, though, because of course you're going to do another match between these guys, as you should do. I love seeing kind of homegrown talent climb up the rankings. I enjoyed this much, Lee. And it's getting it up. And of course, everybody out there is getting it up as well, because my word, once again, you made me feel all good in my tootsie toes, because there was a bunch of Simon give this an up signs. We also had one for Barry Barricade, and that one will always get me, as does 2 plus 2 equals potato. And there was a goofy wrestling for life sign, so we're all out of control. But should we stop? No, I love you. Up. Then it turned out that Alex Marvez and the AEW camera people were quite creepy, because they had been sneaking around trying to find Chris Jericho and Don Callis, which they did do, and even though they were sharing a dinner, they were still like, well, we're going to film it anyway. And obviously, as soon as Callis saw them, he shooed them away, and there's more to this later. But yeah, he should have had them arrested. I'm pretty sure that's stalking. We then cut to the latest adventures between Adam Cole and MJF, and I just need to say this. I don't know what the plan is. I would imagine in a week or two weeks' time, they are going to split them up. But I would kill an audible, and I would probably keep them together forever, because this pairing may be the best thing to ever happen to me in my entire life. We began outside a restaurant as Cole was telling MJF, you need to face your greatest fear. Of course, Maxwell thought that was poor people, but no, he was talking about spicy food. Obviously, as soon as they started eating this, they were like, oh my gosh, it's too hot. So they drank some water. The problem being is that it wasn't H2O, and in fact, it was 100% alcohol. So you guessed it, they got super duper mega drunk. It's also when they saw a couple of people that looked a bit like Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen when they screamed at each other, double clothesline. And I guess they did beat up these poor innocent people because the camera just cut away. Honestly, like just the absolute best. It's also Goofy Wrestling for Life, which is why I am wearing this t-shirt now available on Pro Wrestling Tees. Don't tell anyone. If you can believe it, this was actually going to get better later. So just in case Maxwell or Adam ever watch this show, which I doubt they do, I want you to know my heart that beats for you. Sounds weird. I'm not even kidding. It up. Which is when Alex Marvez continued his run of terror, because once again, he was just sneaking around looking at Don Callis and Christopher Jericho. He did get a scoop though, because Callis and Jericho did turn up the arena together. And when he was like, well, are you together now? I think Chris Jericho called him a stupid idiot fathead. So I guess Alex is going to have to lose some head fat. I don't know what that means. When from nowhere, it was Kayla Sparks versus Britt Baker. Oh, it didn't make sense, actually, because Britt has lost a lot recently, and given that we do need to heat her up again, she needed to get a win. So this went about 90 seconds. Got the lock jaw, tap out victory. I kind of felt like we should have done something afterwards to create a bit of a spark. <laughs> that was a pun. I'm very sorry. But no, she won, she left, and that was that. But we've already justified why she did it. This wasn't bad. And also trying to get anything on Blood and Guts is hard, because that match went an hour giving it up. When René Paquette was here with Adam Cole and MJF, and again, just keep putting them on my TV. Now, Maxwell did make a very on-the-nose comment here about Plan B, which I'm just going to leave over there. If you care, you can go and watch it. When they basically fell in love with each other again, because what had they done over the past seven days? That's right, they both got the other matching gear. This was lovely. Roderick Strong also burst in after this, going, I can't believe you're doing this, Adam Cole. And look, he is right. He's definitely going to get screwed over. But you get out of here, Roddy. I 
I'm too entertained by it. This is when Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara did come out for their finals of the Blind Eliminated Tag Team Tournament Finals, and Chris Jericho joined them too. Just in case you thought he was turning face, he was not. As soon as everybody started singing his song, he was like, shut up, you don't get to do it. But it also meant that Maxwell Jacob Freeman and Adam Cole were about to do their thing. And let's just start at the start. Because after the maybe, not maybe, Jericho Appreciation Society were here, MJF came out to his music. And earlier on, Adam Cole had promised a surprise. And as it turned out, he had mashed their themes together, and my word, MGF reacted to this like it was the greatest moment of his life. And nine times out of ten, this is the worst thing ever. For example, go and listen to the Jerry Show theme that makes me want to punch myself in the head. But they're so over the top, and they're such goofs, you just can't help it. I was like, man, I'm having the best time again. This happened like four times. We also went pure indie scene here as well, because the first thing everybody did was a dance-off. I think Daniel Garcia was having a thrust off because he loves doing that wiggle jiggle. But honestly, I've done this when I've done my independent wrestling matches. Sometimes I've had a dance off. And even though if you went really quiet, you could hear somebody on the internet melting down. I do not give a flub, man. Goofy wrestling for life. This absolutely killed me. Especially because when Adam Cole started doing it, it was the worst dancer you've ever seen. So MJF had a meltdown and was like, man, you gotta stop. And once again, this ties into what we were just talking about. It just goes to show that in wrestling, you can do whatever you want. And that is why I love it so. There are no rules. There should never be any rules. Keep doing it forever and ever. We stuck to all the usual beats as well, because of course, in the middle of all of this, Guevara and Garcia jumped them, because they are the bad guys. And while they were about to take over, when MJF and Cole teased the double clothesline, they ran off. I'm just going to applaud them for the rest of the day. Freeman also then pretended to do a dive, but he didn't, and we'll get to that later. And just to ensure that this was the perfect match, a few minutes after this, he did the flare flop, the Triple H flop, and he went right into Daniel Garcia's balls. I mean, what didn't this have? Cole then got the hot tag and he went absolutely nuts. And Garcia thought the best defense was to do his dance once again. So he got smacked with a kick that was super. And around this time, Adam and Max went for another double clothesline, or their first double clothesline. But somehow, Sammy reversed that into a Spanish fly. Pretty good. Maxwell also went for a crossroads. And I swear earlier on in this thing, he'd also done the Cody Rhodes walk. So you had everything here. And as soon as Adam Cole had made the blind tag... Well, he basically ran right into the Dragon Tamer. He was able to make it to the ropes when Daniel was thrown into Guevara, so now we had human projectiles when this damn thing totally peaked. Because MGF once again thought about doing the dive and changed his mind, when Adam Cole was like, you can do it, buddy, you can do it. And he did. And honestly, even though the dive, the tope, whatever you want to call it, is literally sponsoring 2023 wrestling, because you have to see 7,422 on every show, this crowd went totally, totally crazy. I mean, they're all geniuses. Cole then hit the Panama Sunrise onto Garcia, where finally all our dreams did come true, because they joined hands and they hit the double clothesline and Maxwell pinned him for the one, two, three. So what was I telling you about 1980 stuff? They just won with a double clothesline, which again got a massive reaction. I could not be happier. It also means that Adam Cole and MJF are now the number one contenders for FTR's AEW tag team titles. And Cash and Dax came out afterwards to look at them to make sure it is super serious. And while I'm sure they will implode when we do do this match, for the love of everything, change your mind and elongate it as best you can. We also had a bunch of teasing here afterwards as well because Chris Jericho went to Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara, but they ignored him much like Jake Hager had done last week. And then back in the ring, 
Maxwell noticed that Adam Cole was looking at his world championship and he almost lost his damn mind. Thankfully, they did calm down. They did a big old hug, but this wasn't a mistake because we are planting these seeds. So again, I've said it once, I'll say it twice, I'll say it a thousand times. What didn't this match have and what was at the center of it all? Goofy wrestling for life. But it just made you feel good. That's why I sit down to watch professional wrestling to the point it doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. You damn right. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. When Renee was back after this, she worked so damn hard. She had quite the troop in here as well, because I think she had Orange Cassidy, the best friends, Chris Statlander, Darby Allen, and Nick Wayne. And she also had all the questions. Essentially, Wayne and Allen are going to enter the Raw Rampage on Friday, and the winner of that is going to get a TNT title shot at All In. But if you are competing in that, I would be a little bit careful. You have to take on a dinosaur. The TBS title is also up for grabs as Chris Statlander is taking on Marina Shafir, which is a little bit interesting and out of nowhere, when we just kept getting information. Because Darby confirmed that Swerve Strickland was also going to be in the Raw Rampage when he turned to Orange Cassidy and said, oh, hey, can you do me a favor? And can we get AR Fox involved? Because I owe him one from back in the day. I was like, why is Orange Cassidy now making matches? Turns out he meant the international title. So yes, next week we are going to get Cassidy versus AR Fox. And you better tune in for that one. A piece of fruit versus an animal. Oh, I need to see it. Interestingly, they all went to the best friends, put your hand in the middle, but Nick Wayne and Darby Allen walked off. So I don't know if that means anything, but Renee was like, <laughs> well, I'll do it. So there you go. Jot all these notes down. When Chompy the Shark was here. <laughs> That's not a joke. It was to promote Shark Week as Taz told him, look, if you annoy me, I will throw you off the stage. I just want to use it to say that Taz is so damn good at his job, I actually think every single week he gets better and better. This also led to our big video leading because it was time for the blood and guts match. And all I can tell you is this, I don't think there is anybody better at advertising and then delivering on these crazy matches. Because if you wanted blood and guts, well, you got it. Sometimes, literally. It was also the Blackpool Combat Club versus the Golden Elite. And the first two people we got in there was Claudio Castagnoli and Kenny Omega. So straight away, we were delivering to nerds like me 
because of course I want to see that singles contest. And even though we only got a few minutes, it was flubbing great. And Omega was just doing everything until we learned that the BCC had won the coin toss. So out came Pac and he just hates everyone, including Claudio. Because throughout this match, they kept having a little bit of a miscommunication and smashing into each other. And eventually it was going to go bad. They were able to beat up Ken for a while before Hangman Adam Page was able to make the save. And look what we were doing here. Before long, Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page were doing a bunch of double team moves. Because they used to be the tag team champions before they did fall out. So this was just serving every single geek in the arena. Yes. Claudio was so mad, he then slammed Omega into the cage over and over again. When John Moxley was next, and honestly, I swear he blinked, and all of a sudden he was bleeding. He also wanted everybody else to suffer this, so he had a screwdriver, and he was just stabbing people. And then he started to bite people's fingers, which is not normal. And then just to finish it off, he went under the ring, and what did he have in a bag? Shards of glass. I don't know about you, but I don't think he was about to build a window. It was a massive mistake because Nick Jackson then ran down and booted Moxley into this glass. I was like, oh no, it's happening. When all of a sudden, Castagnoli and Pac were yelling at each other again. I was like, look, if you want to win, you've got to calm down. A Hurricane Rana then threw Claudio into this stuff, so I was just squirming. When poor Nick Jackson was stomped into the glass, I was like, what is happening? How do we get here? It felt like the whole pack was being ruined by this glass when Wheeler Yuta ran in with a chair. Which is when you just got everything, because then people were being thwacked with that too. The Kester eventually joined the same with his amazing entrance music, and he was doing the same. And if any of them are walking freely this morning, well, I think it's possible. Moxie is never satisfied because then he introduced a bed of nails when poor Kenny Omega got thrown into this death surface. At that point, I just sat there. Shaking my head, because on the one hand, I was loving the ship out of it. On the other, I was genuinely afraid about death. Don Callis obviously thought this was the best thing ever because he was on commentary when Kota Ibushi made his AEW debut. And surprise, surprise, he got a thunderous reaction. Now, some people online are like, well, Kota didn't do much. And man, talk about not understanding context. He has been out the game for ages and he still got in there and basically whooped everybody's ass. He also threw Mox into the bed of nails, so I was just screaming again, when all of a sudden him and Omega are about to do their special BTE trigger, when Pat cut them off. Because of course he did, he's a bastard. He actually used Claudio there, so put that one in your brain, when Matt Jackson arrived, and he went up to the top of the cage with Wheeler Utah, and they started doing Northern Light suplexes from up there. This is why you must take advantage of today, because you can actually walk up to someone, tell them that that spot happened and finish by going, but that was by no means the craziest thing that did go down. It was totally out of control. As he was up there too, he decided to get some thumbtacks and rain them down from above, when surprise, surprise, the Blackpool Combat Club got thrown into those. I don't even know what I'm doing with my hands, turning myself into some kind of a deer, but once again, I was just freaking out. I wasn't even involved. I then think it went, you can't escape, shooting star press, 450, big hole splash, meaning Pac was totally dead. But when everybody got into it and we introduced a table, this damn Pac was swinging from the cage when he came down and he double foot stopped Nick Jackson. I mean, I think it was Nick Jackson. So much information has come out of my brain. But you need to go and see that. I have never seen anything like it in my life. 
which is becoming my catchphrase. Pack then got Snapdragon into the glass. I was like, man, why can nobody get ever momentum? When all of a sudden Claudio was doing the big swing and he turned that into the sharpshooter when Ibushi walked over and just kept booting him. But Claudio was like, no, you can't hurt me. So Ibushi hit him with a super kick, but not like a super kick. It was a kick that was super. Castagnoli was down. It got so bad between Pack and Castagnoli, Wheeler Yuta had to come in there and calm everybody down. When Pack decided, no, I don't want to do this anymore, he got some bolt cutters, he cut open the door, and he flipped off the Blackpool Combat Club, and he left. And do you want to know why this is so good? One, I like to think he realized, wait a minute, Blackpool, I'm from Newcastle, I don't want to deal with this. But two, that happened between him and Mox years ago. You can look it up. Now, I don't know if it's meant to tie in, but if it is, holy crap, Fabu. The Elite had charged all their signatures by this point, so poor John Moxley got hit by all of them when he was totally handcuffed. And this is when Don was like, man, it's not going well. And he told Takeshita to leave and Takeshita listened to him. I was like, CBCC, you shouldn't trust assholes. Matt, by this point, had his thumbtack trainer, so he just smacked Wheeler Yuta with that. When Hangman got the change and he lived up to his name, because he was quite literally choking Wheeler Yuta over the top rope. And you know the deal. If you can't breathe, you're going to die. The match was done. And the reason I said it like that is, well, I'll explain in just one second. I also thought this was absolutely perfect for this show, because like I've already said, we had some goofy wrestling that still got you in the heart, and then you had one of the most violent matches you could ever hope to see, which still brought a ton of emotion. So I'm going to break my own rule, but I do not care. The fact that AEW does stuff like this, I think is tremendous. It doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up, mostly, because if a bunch of wrestlers are going to go out there and do this for my entertainment... They deserve all the respect in the world. However, as my feed was littered with this stuff, let's just quickly talk about the production. Because I do get it. If the camera misses stuff and you're trying to watch there to understand the story, it is going to make you feel a little bit sad in your tum-tum. Like, I don't think it's a massive deal because it's just a wrestling show. But you're more within your rights to go, man, that kind of sucked. But the issue here is that, yes, it did actually tie into the end of Blood and Guts. Because at the start, I was like, well, Willie Ewer must have submitted because, again, he was going to die. But actually, it was so much deeper than this. Even though Moxie was handcuffed, it was him that surrendered and said, man, just end it. Because he obviously has been choked by Hangman Adam Page 2. And that's why he lost at the pay-per-view a few months ago. But that is an amazing plot point, And for it not to be captured, well, again, it just kind of deflated things a little bit. We had to get updated by Tony Schiavone. Now, I do want to point out that nobody meant to do this. There was no cameraman or production person going, <laughs> this will really wind up the internet. Sometimes upset, sad things do go down. As I have said that word, we do have to give it a down. But look, who cares? It's a television show, and they made a little bit of a faux pas. That shouldn't take away from everything else we did get here. This was genuinely all-time stuff. There are also worse things to be a sad Sally about, so let's just move on. And overall, the show is going to get an up. Seriously, if you like a little bit of everything from your pro wrestling... Do I have the episode for you? Also now, make sure you go down to the comments and call me a moron. That's what they're there for. If you like the video, share the video and subscribe. And ups and downs for WWE Raw is on the screen. So continue on your ups and downs journey. WhatCulture.com is also the place you go to be up to date with all the latest wrestling news. Simon316 and WhatCulture WWE on social media. But ultimately, I just thank you for stopping by. The wrestling train keeps on going. And I shall watch it so you don't have to. But you should also watch it too. Support professional wrestling. Goodbye.